take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. So this is our Q&A part two. If you submitted a question it wasn't answered last time, it may be part of this batch of questions. So let's just dive right in, shall we? Here's a question about manifesting. Using your podcast on manifesting your dream home, which I love, thank you. My question is this, is it simply letting go and allowing when manifesting something you dream of having? Saying this or something better still as a practice of letting go and allowing if the ego is what life or in this case house is supposed to look at or look like. Um, I'm not sure I understand this, the very end of the question here, but I can certainly address the first part. Um, yeah, is simply letting go and allowing when manifesting something. Yeah, you see, we have this sort of, um, and it's no wonder, but with this sort of yang attitude towards manifesting, like you have to make something happen. Like manifest is something that, that you do um, this by, by your actions, right? Um, by willing something into being. And I think what we learn as we do this work more and more is that um, manifesting is not something that you're doing personally. <laughs> you, you, you don't make anything happen. We don't, that's the ego, right? So the ego believes, again, that it's the source of your very existence and that it is the doer of all things. And that's not true. It takes ownership over experience in one ten thousandth of a second. So you don't actually experience anything. You experience the playback, <laughs> the, the tape monitor, right? You experience the playback in one ten thousandth of a second filtered through your paradigm and programming, right? So you, that's what we experience in life. The ego takes ownership over all experience and considers itself the doer of all things, the thinker of all thoughts, the actor of all acts. But in reality, at a higher level of awareness, we realize that everything that is occurring is merely a consequence of the field. It's a consequence of your field interacting with the field. Okay. So everything that um, happens in your life is a potentiation. It's an actualization of your potential when local conditions are appropriate for the actualization of that potential. So uh, everything is happening automatically and of its own, unfolding 
automatically as a consequence of what you have become. So if you're getting to the point where you are surrendered, right, and you're in a space of trust, uh, you feel taken care of, and you know that you are uh, provided for by the universe, that you hold in mind what your heart desires, not necessarily what your ego desires, what your heart desires, um, and, and then you let it go, you are allowing, right? You're in a yin stance toward existence, right? And so you allow the, uh, your potential to unfold through you in accordance with the highest good, right? That's a totally different attitude from pushing, pushing things. I want this, I need this more properly, right? So you can always tell if it's the ego in charge of your manifesting practice. If you feel like, oh my God, I need this. And if I don't get it, I'm not going to be happy. That's the ego, right? So you can be sure because you're coming from a place of lack, right? You're coming from a place of, I don't have this and I need this because if I don't have this, I won't be able to make it. I won't be able to survive. I won't be able to um, be happy, right? I need this because of a lack in me. Then you're definitely coming from an energy of scarcity, which is going to continue to be reflected to you by the field, right? It's going to continue to be reflected to you by the world. If that's what you're vibrating and that's where you're coming from. So yes, the process of manifestation is automatic and ongoing, right? But what you manifest is um, is going to be different if you are simply letting go and allowing, right? Um, in accordance with the highest good, right? So, so we have to remember here that the conscious mind or the ego does not know what is best and most appropriate and perfect for us. It doesn't know. It thinks it knows. <laughs> it has its own agenda, right? But what you think you want and should have may not be what is in your highest interest, right? So we need to be uh, uh, discerning about that and understand that the conscious mind uh, the ego does not see the whole picture. It does certainly has not the capacity at all to see the full picture of not only your life, but all of creation and how everything that happens happens in the highest good of all, right? We don't want to accept that. <laughs> so um, we have to let go of this idea that we know what is best from the conscious mind, right? We have to tap into something much deeper and more uh, nonlinear, right, in ourselves and be in a state of trust, right? Because when we do that, when we let go and allow, we can say, I mean, the whole reason that we create a vision statement for ourselves is because and we, when we do so, we do so consciously and from the heart, like what would feel really good to me? What would I love if I could have anything, right? And we, we use that as an energetic template with the understanding that it's this or something even better still as a way of allowing the universe to come in and work in ways that are unexpected because it knows it has the highest template 
for our potential, right? For our becoming. It holds that. And that that template is within our etheric body, right? But when we circumvent that with the mind by thinking that we know and, and, and that we want and that we need something, right? Um, that's when we can get in the way and interfere with the natural process of manifesting the highest potential, right? At any given moment, uh, we get in the way of that with our with our mind and with our agenda and with our belief that that from the intellect we can know anything at all, right? So, manifesting, like I said, is ongoing and automatic. But the quality of what you manifest, what you bring in, what appears in your life. Uh, is, is well it's related to you it's related to your uh, what you are vibrating what you are uh, offering as a vibration to the universe at any given moment so we learn as we do this work more and more to let go of the outcomes right to project the highest that we're capable of projecting knowing that at the same time we're totally surrendering that to divinity and understanding that okay it may not take the form that I think it should take but whatever form it takes as long as I'm surrendered and I'm trusting I know that it will deliver to me uh, what is for my highest good for my evolution for my development sometimes we have to go through pain for that stuff to birth itself right I was uh, talking to a friend yesterday, a, a, a friend who's an amazing writer, an amazing person came and spoke to our group in The Empowered Artist, and she was talking about how some of the most painful rejections uh, and letdowns of her life and career were actually the birth, the birthplace of something even higher that was seeking to be expressed, you know, but that couldn't be expressed with her life the way it was, right? Everything had to fall apart, break down so that from that soil or from that those ashes she could be reborn again in a higher form right so and that's true for all of us it's uh allowing right allowing and letting go this or something even better still and then uh the universe will deliver to us whatever is um, uh, the reflection of our vibration and whatever is most appropriate for us at the time so sometimes when we manifest something from the ego because you know, we can, we can use push energy and we can create things from that space, but they are going to push back. <laughs> if you were pushing and trying to create it, it is going to push back. And sometimes when you get what you thought you wanted, you realize, oh, this is not what I was hoping for, right? And that in itself contains a lesson that is extremely important to learn. So in that sense, we always get just what we need if we're willing to learn from it. And so I'll just add one more thing. That's why it's so important, so crucial that we have the courage to really go deep with ourselves, go deep within ourselves and go looking for those places in us that are dark and shadowy, where we have unresolved issues, right? Because if we're avoiding the deeper stuff that is most painful, the things that we most want to avoid and not look at, and we think that if we can just manifest the life of our dreams, that that stuff won't affect us, that we can sort of sweep it under the rug, we're totally wrong. It's It doesn't work that way. Often that stuff is the very 
stuff that is holding you back. It's the very stuff that you're most frustrated about. You don't make the connection, but it's preventing you from living a, a fuller, richer, more expanded life and a, um, a higher version of yourself. Those are the very corners and dark depths that you need to explore within yourself with total love and total acceptance and curiosity um, and really bring back to life those parts of you that you have relegated to your own underworld because as long as that stuff is is there in the depths unresolved it is for sure running your life you may think that you've got it compartmentalized <laughs> and um, quarantined from the rest of you, from the rest of your life, but it is affecting every other area. You know, they say that when there's an imbalance in one chakra, it affects all the chakras. It affects everything. It's like taking, a, I always have the image of, of um, you know, a tablecloth. If you take one part of the tablecloth at the opposite end of the table and you start twisting it, it's going to pull on the on entirety of the tablecloth. It pulls all the fabric towards it in a way like a black hole, right? So um, we can't uh, just assume that the, the areas that we don't want to look at, that we think we've put away, uh, or that we'd, we'd rather just not think about or feel aren't affecting us and affecting our life and affecting everything that we quote unquote manifest, right? It's happening uh, by virtue of the vibration that we offer. And that vibration is the sum total of everything that we are. So go looking, go deep inside yourself don't be afraid of anything that's there on the other side of that pain once you're willing to feel it once you're willing to free it up and really be yourself be yourself then everything will start being magnetized to you naturally it'll fall right into your lap I want to address this other question about karma here. It's related to something we just uh, talked about. The question is, I don't really understand that nothing is causing anything else because isn't karma the law of cause and effect? <laughs> yes, yes. We say that karma is the law of cause and effect. But we, with the understanding that we're not talking about the Newtonian level of cause and effect, like ping pong balls or, you know, pool, pool balls that are um, uh, hitting each other and going in a certain direction, right? That's how we think of cause and effect at the, at the uh, level of this Newtonian paradigm of materiality. And this is um, this uh, law of causality, we could call it. Um, makes sense in an intellectual paradigm, but with that, we cannot transcend the intellectual paradigm. We can't go into the heart space if we hold on to causality as the way the universe operates, because it isn't. <laughs> it, it's the, um, what we call uh, causality is just the experience of sequence, okay, uh, in the dimension of time and space. It's the appearance of things unfolding in a sequence. 
And so we think that one thing is leading to or causing another. And this has been politicized beyond belief to, um, uh, to create the victim perpetrator uh, mentality that keeps uh, certainly keeps the ego alive in everyone, you know, believing that some people or a certain group of people or one person or an institution or a, a uh, or anything at all is, you know, the perpetrator and you are the hapless victim. I mean, that is like glory for the ego. It just will, you know, uh, feed off of that world without end. And if you look at conflicts in the world that have been going on for centuries, uh, you can see that that victim perpetrator model is at the, is at the heart uh, of, of that, you know, I'm saying, yeah, but it's their fault. They are the cause of this problem. And then the others are saying, you know, you're the cause of this problem, right? So causality is, uh, it's a very limiting paradigm and point of view, and it doesn't allow you to see the nonlinear that is operating, that is at the source of the linear, right? The, the linear only exists because of the nonlinear, right? And it appears it unfolds sequentially before our eyes and we perceive it as having a relationship of cause effect, but it's actually born from the nonlinear, uh, from the quantum realm where at any moment, uh, any, you know, potentiality is becoming actuality just in accordance with what is favorable in the field, right? So the minute you put your attention on something, you collapse that wave function and it will begin to appear in your, in your life, right? And depending on your level of consciousness, the more spiritual power you, you gain as a result of your evolution, as a result, that sounds like causality, but as you unfold, as your spiritual potential unfolds, um, you have a more powerful effect on the field, right? So things seem to manifest more quickly, more quickly. So every time we use language, we get into this Newtonian paradigm. It's almost impossible not to limit things by when you language them. But um, there's a subtle, there's a something uh, subtle here that you can't perceive from the space of your intellect. You have to feel it, you know, and then you intuitively know that it's true. And as you uh, grow spiritually, you're living more in that nonlinear realm uh, where you uh, intuitively know things, right? Intuition is just your nonlinear guidance system. It's not intellect, it's intuition. So um, yeah, nothing is causing anything else. Even if it appears that way sequentially, it, everything is just becoming. It is a consequence of the field the field, the infinite field of consciousness and your personal field, if we could call it that, interacting with the infinite field of consciousness yields cer a certain set of potentialities, we could say. Um, and the ones that manifest, uh, in other words, the ones uh, that which uh, collapse the waveform are the ones that you're most focused on, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. I hope that clarifies that. Related to that, we have another question about accidents. You often say that there are no accidents. How can we explain random occurrences? Okay, so, well, there are no random occurrences. There are just occurrences that we don't know how to explain, right? So if we say that things are random or chaotic, we're, we're essentially saying that there's no order, there's no underlying order in the universe. That's not possible because the universe is one. Nothing can exist outside of the universe, 
right? Everything is part of that oneness. And that oneness is in perfect order. So nothing can exist outside of it. Nothing can be outside of the order of the universe. It's just that we don't often understand from the level of appearance, right? And this is when we're very limited by this paradigm of causality. We don't, we often don't understand why things happen the way they do on the level of appearance, you know, well, why would that happen? It's a, it's an accident. It seems random. Well, listen, I mean, just an example from my own life, my father, uh, his life ended in an accident quote, you know, it quote unquote accident. He was riding his bike. Uh, he was training for a triathlon. He went around a blind curve and there was a moving van illegally parked in the bike lane that day. And he smacked uh, against the truck and was killed instantly. We can say that's an accident, right? And on his death certificate, it says he died in an accident. But that doesn't mean that it's a random occurrence. No one meets their death before their time or after their time. The moment of your death is the moment of your death and it's karmically decided. The manner of death, uh, there's some room for, there's some play in the manner of death. And that's determined by the kind of life you live. But the time of death is karmically determined at the moment of birth. So there's nothing you can do one way or the other. And that, that personally, that makes me feel better. So, you know, when, when he died, I knew it was no accident. The manor was called an accident. So here we have to make a difference between uh, accidental and non-intentional. There are no accidents in the universe because everything in the universe is in perfect order. But that doesn't mean that when something happens that it's intentional. It was not his intention to die that day. It was, it was not anyone's intention to cause his death that day. <laughs> Nobody could cause his death. His death was at the moment, the, the perfect moment, karmically determined for him. It was not accidental, but that, but it was also non-intentional, right? So that's an important distinction to make. You can get into, a, you can be in a car accident, in quotes, right? And it's not intentional, but that doesn't mean it's accidental. Everything occurs in perfect order. And everything is karmically determined. And if you start looking at things that way, it will really open up your your um, availability to more synchronicity in your life. You know, if you understand that things are not random, that things are not accidental, that everything is occurring in perfect order, then you're more open to higher interpretations of what occurs in your life and how that can serve your evolution and actually put you on a higher timeline if you're open to it. And here's another a question that's uh, also related to that. I can understand taking responsibility for a lot of things in life, but I still can't get on board with taking responsibility for things that I had nothing to do with. If I've been the victim of a random attack, how can I be responsible for that? Well, I, I mean, we almost just answered that question, right? There is no such thing as random. Everything that seems to be random, it's just that we haven't, we don't have a big enough context to understand it, right? 
just karmically speaking, you know, to really oversimplify things, we can be the victim of an attack because we're on the other end of something karmically now. We may have been the perpetrator of the attack in another lifetime, in another situation, or, you know, a few minutes, a few moments before, a few seconds before, if you punch somebody, they're going to punch you back. They call, We call that instant karma, right? Now you're on the other side of it. We have no way of knowing what causes, in quotes, we have set in motion. And the law of karma, by the way, to go back to the previous question, it, it stated as the law of cause and effect, means that there are infinite number of causes, infinite number of causes that uh, are responsible for any given moment in your life. It's not one direct line of cause. The causes are infinite and coming from every direction, right? I mean, in order for even a, a, a mote of dust to float through the room, uh, we we have to have all of the circumstances that are perfect for that mote of dust to take its particular pathway through the air the way that it's doing right now, the one that I'm looking at in front of me. It's not random. It is in perfect order. And in order for that mote of dust to float exactly the way that it's floating through the air right now, the entire history of the universe has to have been what it is up until this moment. Do you understand? There is not one cause. Everything is the cause. It's the field. <laughs> so, you know, you can't say truthfully, oh, I've been the victim of a random attack. That is victim perpetrator mentality. They did this to me. Well, that's one way of looking at it, but that's the way to stay disempowered in your life. Okay. If I take responsibility for this, and, and again, we have to make the distinction between responsibility and blame, right? If I take responsibility for this, um, that doesn't mean that I'm blaming myself and it doesn't mean I'm blaming anyone else. I just am acknowledging that there's more than we know. There are more causes set in motion that we know leading up to this event. And I don't understand why it happened. And I may never understand why it happened. And even if I can say why, it would only be one limited perspective on why it happened. So why is actually a useless question. It's it's just important that it did happen. It did happen. And I accept that it happened. And I'm going to look for the highest outcome here. There is something for me to learn here, something for me to receive. And if I can be in a stance of humility about that and allow myself to receive the learning, receive the understanding, forgive wherever I can forgive and be grateful wherever I can be grateful. Here we are with these four phrases, right? Uh, and the principles of humility, forgiveness, gratitude, and love. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. If I can treat every situation with that, with the, that mantra, then I'm sure of the highest outcome because I am allowing for something higher to come through out of the situation. If I turn it into victim perpetrator right away, be like, they did this to me and I'm the victim. Well, there's no opportunity for learning there. You've just, you know... Um, lost the opportunity for something higher to come from the situation. So taking responsibility for everything, right? That's why it's radical. 
responsibility. Radical responsibility means I, I am responsible for everything that occurs in my life and within my field of awareness because I can't experience anything outside of my field of awareness. <laughs> it's not possible. So it must belong to me. Whatever I experience, therefore, must belong to me. And I get to claim it and take responsibility for it lovingly with humility and forgiveness and gratitude. And if you can do that with any situation, well, you're just going to take off like a rocket. I mean, your evolution is going to expand, increase, accelerate. Here's some questions about letting go and working with our emotional energy. The first one is, can we ever really recover from our wounds? Sometimes it feels so heavy, like I'll never get there. Well, um, if you listen to that phrase, it feels so heavy, like I'll never get there. That is, that's a belief. And that, that would be an example of uh, a belief, you know, oh, I, everybody else might be able to recover, but, but not me, right? I'm different. I'm special. So what I hear in there is the vibration of the ego, <laughs> right? It's get, it gets attached to this persona of, I am so wounded. I, I just may never recover. I'm just a hopeless case. It's so sad. You hear the drama, the self-made, self-perpetuating drama in there. The truth is that many people who are, you know, deeply unconscious and uh, living as victims in life are in love with that. They are in love with that. They don't want you to take that away from them. <laughs> That's where they're getting all that juice for the ego and justification for resentment and feeling hurt and feeling hard done by. They don't want you to take that away from them. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if you have some story going on in you that, you know, I, I can never get there, you know, I guess I just, just not for me, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really broken, I'm too wounded, I can't. That is a denial of your own spiritual power. And so therefore, it's definitely coming from the ego, for sure, because the ego hates your spiritual power. Oh yes, it hates it. It truly does. Because if you start to reclaim that true power from the source, right? And this goes back to our very first question. If you reclaim your power as and recognize that it comes from the source of your being and not from the ego, well, then the ego's days are numbered. So um, if you really want to recover from your wounds, if you're really... Um, being authentic with yourself and you want to recover, then you have to acknowledge your divine nature and your innate nobility and your incorruptibility. Those, those belong to your very nature. And so anything else is just a story. So the question is really, are you willing to let go of that story? Are you willing to let go of that story of disempowerment? So asking yourself that question will really teach you a lot. Um, and you have to be willing to be honest with yourself, <laughs> right? Because the ego is not honest. It's very deceiving and sneaky because it wants to stay alive. 
so any belief that you have that there's something wrong with you, that you're just broken and you can't be fixed, that you're somehow bad or wrong, evil, I don't know. I mean, all of that uh, really toxic programming that we have about our fundamental worthiness, that is uh, definitely coming from programming and it's also coming from uh, the, the nature of the ego and its uh, struggle to stay on top. So if it can subjugate your true nature and keep it from you, uh, you remain disempowered and it remains in power. It stays alive. All right, now I'm not trying to set you up in a battle with your ego because as we know, that does no good whatsoever, but you need to understand how it operates. You are incorruptible in your true nature you are completely wholesome, wholesome and good. And when you fall in love with yourself by totally accepting everything about you, by, as I was saying earlier, going into the dark depths and touching everything there and feeling what has gone on with total compassion, total acceptance, then you will know <laughs> and you will feel the goodness of your innate nature. And that's a good that has no opposite. We're not talking about polarities, you know, a good part of you and a bad part of you. We're talking about the good that has no opposite, the divine purity that has no opposite. It just is. And that is what you are. And nothing will ever be able to uh, convince you <laughs> that it's any different from that. You will be unexploitable by any forces that would use shame or guilt uh, to trap, imprison, disempower you, and then offer you the solution, which is just a false solution, you know, to help you feel better, right? The basic program in there remains the same, which is that there's something wrong with you, right? And that's why I often talk about giving up self-improvement. That's really not what we're, what we're going for here. We're going for letting go of the false self that supposedly needs improvement so we can connect with our true nature, which is perfect, whole, complete, incorruptible. And you can contact that now in this lifetime. Don't put it off to the future. It's right there waiting for you. You just need to go in, go deep in yourself. So that's a, that's a great question and there's a lot in it. There's a lot of layers in that question. Here's another one that's sort of related to it. You talk about letting go a lot, but I don't really understand what that is. How do you actually let go? Isn't that just not dealing with things or ignoring them? There are things we shouldn't let go of because they aren't right. And if we let go of them, they'll never get fixed. So how can we ever solve the issues of the world if we let things go? Okay, so there's many, many questions in here. Let's deal with the first part. You talk about letting go a lot, but I don't really understand what that is. How do you actually let go? Um, okay, so there's a confusion inside the question about what letting go actually is. It's confusing uh, letting go with some kind of passivity. All right, so 
passivity is, is uh, uh, calibrates below the level of integrity. Okay, so passivity is not what letting go is. Letting go is an expansion. It's a, a, a release and a surrender to what is, to what is in this moment. That's what letting go is because you, the ego has resistance to what is. It never is happy with what is, or if if so, only briefly. And then it will find some of you, yeah, but you know what? <laughs> you know that it's happened a million times, right? So the, the ego is in resistance to the present moment, the way that the present moment is showing up almost always. And uh, so letting go is first and foremost, letting go of any resistance to the way this moment is showing up, right? So it's being in a non-confrontational, non-oppositional relationship with the present moment. I remember Eckhart Tolle said, the ego is a dysfunctional relationship with the present moment. <laughs> I mean, that's just amazing. That's a perfect way to put it. Um, so uh, letting go is letting go of your resistance to what is. So how that applies to our emotions and our feelings is that very often we're in resistance to our emotions. We don't want to feel the way that we feel. We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to be angry. We don't want to experience our own emotional energy. And this is understandable because when we're very small, when a lot of the traumas occur and the programming occurs and, and all of that, we don't have the capacity to handle overwhelming emotion and so we just repress it right repress it or suppress it put it away somewhere down in the subconscious or even down in the unconscious right and uh but of course you know it, it has to um it has to come out right you can't if you're pushing something down then there's a corresponding pressure that's pushing up on you and that's the source of all stress so um Letting go is like letting the steam, opening up the valve and letting some of the steam out of this pressure, right? So when feelings come up that are uncomfortable that normally we would want to avoid or that we've spent our life suppressing, repressing, avoiding, or projecting onto other people and situations in the world, instead of going into that coping mechanism, which is totally, um, uh, well, it's not helpful, let's put it that way, uh, and instead allow ourselves to feel whatever is coming up in the moment, to feel it in the body, to feel it in our tissues, to feel it embodied, right? And, and without attaching it to a story or trying to intellectually understand it or analyze it, right? That's another way that we avoid is by going into the mind. Well, then we start to have a chance of processing emotional energy, instead of uh, pressuring it, you know, increasing the pressure, stamping it down. So that's what letting go is. It's non-resistance to what is. Non-resistance to this moment, the way that it's showing up. Non-resistance to the feelings that we have at any given moment. It's just an allowing, right? So that is not a passive stance. That is a surrendered and allowing stance right? A passive passivity is um, a lack of uh, action or lack of feeling um, that's coming from a place of avoidance, right? It's coming from a place of not wanting to get involved, not wanting to get your hands dirty, right? So that's a very different energy. So, so no, 
It's not just not dealing with things or ignoring them. That is the passive attitude, right? So if we go to the second part of your question, there are things we shouldn't let go of because they aren't right. And if we let them go, then they'll never get fixed. So how can we solve the issues of the world if we let things go? So I think it's easier to address this part of the question now because we've made the difference between allowing, letting go, a surrender, and passivity. So the statement that you make here, there are things we shouldn't let go of because they aren't right, that is... Uh, that is something that I would start to question you on because it speaks to positionality, right? So you have a position that something is is not right. Something is wrong in this world. Well, we've just been talking about how there's perfect order in the universe. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take steps whenever we can for the betterment of our world for more compassion, for more understanding, for more caring, for taking care of the planet, for being responsible, of course. But at the same time, we can't say that something is wrong. It's the way it is. It's what it is. Why? We don't know why. But we know that there are an infinite number of causes contributing to the state of affairs right? So how can we say it's wrong? That's like saying the universe is wrong and that everything that has occurred, so, you know, that has uh, contributed to the current circumstances is wrong. How can it be wrong? It's already happened. It's what is. So denial of what is, that's the denial of how this moment is showing up. That's the denial of how things are. And passivity is more likely to come out of that kind of denial, right? So if we shouldn't let something go because it isn't right, that is the resistance to that moment, right? It's the resistance to what is. So first of all, if you can let go of that resistance to what is and the way things are showing up, um, that's the first step towards taking effective action if action is called for or necessary. How can we ever solve the issues of the world if we let things go? Well, again, If letting go is not passivity, which it is not, it's not like letting, you know, rolling over and letting people walk all over you that has nothing to do with it. It is, on the contrary, um, a stance of total presence to an acknowledgement of what is. And when you become one with what is, if you're not in denial of it, if you're not resisting it, well, then you're aligned. And then you receive inspiration, right? And you're much more likely to take inspired action that is effective rather than than flailing around in the magnetic field and being in reaction to circumstances from a place of ego and positionality. That just makes a bigger mess, right? So all you do in that case is contribute to the chaos, (laughs) right? So letting go is letting go your resistance to this moment, letting go of any resistance to the way that things are showing up or resistance to how you yourself uh, feel and experience this moment, right? If you offer no resistance to that, then it can't offer any resistance back. And so therefore it will dissipate and dissolve and you'll be closer to that blank slate, that zero space in yourself, which is beyond your personality, which is beyond your positionalities, your opinions and your uh, small self, right? And that's when we start to have a chance to have a, a real, true, positive effect in the world. Bottom line here is that, think of it this way, 
if if you have a hair in the camera lens that hair is going to be seen in every shot you take right and this is what most of us are are dealing with we've got a perpetual hair in the lens in the way we see things a distortion a crack a separation within ourselves, a wound, a fault line. And we unconsciously project that wound, that fault line, that separation out onto the world. We see it in everything because it's in our lens. That's why Gandhi's quote, be the change you wish to see in the world is so wise. The best thing you can do for the state of the world is to heal yourself because your perception of the world is influenced by your own wounding and if you try to get your hands on the world and quote unquote fix it from the place of your own wounding you only make a bigger mess you're not contributing to the betterment of things you're still caught up in the trance in the illusion in your own dream illusion of of the world is just another form of distortion so we've got to be very honest with ourselves about where things are coming from what our motivations really are because when you have healed yourself and you're coming from a place of wholeness then your approach to everything is wholesome integrous, whole, compassionate, loving, heart-centered. And that does not make you a fool, by the way. When you are coming from that space and you have developed spiritual discernment, you will be nobody's fool. (laughs) They will not be able to take advantage of your heart. Coming at things from a total heart space of compassion, but having the wisdom and the discernment to see uh, what's really going on in the world of egos. But you can't do that until you have transcended your own positionalities and uh, coming at things from your own wounding and your own need to control what you see out there. Because that's not going to work. I say all of this because If you really care about the state of the world, you will turn within. Stop trying to fix things out there. Make yourself whole first. Then you see and experience a different world and you'll be much more effective in contributing to raising the vibration of the collective and of the planet. Thank you so much for these really deep and stimulating questions. (laughs) We have still more uh, for next week. I think that that will be the end of them. Um, But I uh, have created a whole separate episode for the next set of questions. Um, It's been really, really stimulating to me to receive them and to uh, answer them, to think more deeply, to feel more deeply into them. So... I appreciate very much your offering. I'll see you next time. Until then, walk in grace. 
Thank you for joining me in the Grace Space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.